The readings from Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they're filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Those two are married, by the way, and so I love, the, I love how like, all cultures come to the Lord in terms of we've got Farmer Boy with his big wellies on, and then we've got Davina with those lovely shoes. Just hold those shoes up for us, Davina. Look at those shoes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Everyone's welcome. <laughs> um, I'm gonna have, you have to pray for me that I get through this morning because um, we are going to release the Holy Spirit this morning. So if you want to go home for a roast chicken at like 12 o'clock, delay. Or if you've got one of those posh timers that, you know, you can switch on from home, just put it back an hour uh, at least, because we are, we're going to, I'm just going to share for a bit, and then we're going to welcome the Lord uh, to do what he loves to do, which is to bring his kingdom. And uh, I always find um, contemplating Pentecost Sunday and the Holy Spirit very, very emotional, because so often we think about the Holy Spirit as being like the magic bit or 
the power or the explosion or the comforter. And yet, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is a, is a being, and he, he feels, and he thinks, and he interacts with us. Uh, but the Holy Spirit comes from the very innermost parts of God. So think about this. If you've ever been married before, you know, there are certain parts of, of who you are that you only share with the person closest to you. And so the Holy Spirit, coming from the very heart of God, is the one who, because of Jesus, is then just shed abroad or given to the whole planet and to everybody who would believe in him. You know, as, as Peter referred to from the prophet Joel, the Holy Spirit is poured out on everybody. Whether we, like, think of him or not, or just go around whatever, whether we... Um, have been saved, but I pay no attention to him, whether we grieve him or whatever. The, the very innermost being and heart of God is given to us. And so first and foremost, I think to myself, I just want to pay attention to, to who he is because he's given us his breath. You know, imagine if you've had a curry. <laughs> you know, from the deepest parts of you, you breathe out. <laughs> You know, think about this in terms of the very being of God, you know, being given to us. Um, this is, is, you know, what the Holy Spirit is. So I'm just very emotional in, in the sense of, can you believe that God gives of himself like that to us? You know, to sort of numbskull me half the time. Um, you know, and yet he gives, you know, the, the Holy Spirit to all of us. And... You know, in that beautiful uh, and yet incredible moment where the whole room is shaken and every language is spoken, healing the terror of Babel, for those of you who know your Bible, where everybody tries to go off in their own strength and yet suddenly we find God's way through Christ who laid his life down, through Christ who conquered death and rose three days later, through Christ who ascended on high and brings us up from, you know, if you've been listening the last couple of weeks, from earth into the very throne room of God. And then, you know, every tribe and tongue is welcomed in. And everybody's astounded because suddenly they all seem like they're drunk. You know, and you might think this morning, it's only 11 o'clock on a Sunday, and everyone's like, ah, <laughs> you know, and that may not be you. You know, I loved it when Nick got up and encouraged us to be free, and, you know, there were like four, four people leaping around, but all of our hearts were leaping, weren't they? But we're British, so, you know, we're kind of, inside, I'm fully celebrating, <laughs> but like my head is just doing this, you know, but... <laughs> um, but those guys are, are just so filled with God. They're lost, not for the sake of being lost, or not for the sake of being unhinged, but they're just declaring the wonders of God, talking about his deeds of power. Suddenly all the things in their lives pale away, and it's like, we just see you, and you're incredible, and we can't but help but say, you are the glorious one, you're the majestic one, you're the holy one. We're declaring your wonders. And everybody's like, you are off your face. And Peter stands up and he says, no, this is what was prophesied hundreds of years ago, that in the last days God will pour out his spirit. And what is the result? What is the result? Everybody prophesies 
this atmosphere of what God has created by finally giving his spirit. Do you remember how Jesus told his disciples in John 14? He has been with you. The Holy Spirit has been external to you because he's been on Jesus. But he will be in you. What you've seen on me and the environment that I brought you into suddenly will be in your innermost parts and inside you. And what happens is then everybody, men, women, servants, the wealthy, every culture, those who wear wellies to church, those who wear nice, you know, posh shoes to church, everybody will prophesy. And not for the sake of prophesying, but what happens is everybody is activated. Everybody is suddenly lifted out of earth and transported into the very atmosphere of heaven and suddenly we're all seeing we're all hearing we're all like brought into the eyes of our hearts are open to the very kingdom of heaven even though we still live here and this cannot be about the return of God as Peter says no this is what Joel prophesied and it's happening now and we might think well what about the sun turning dark and the moon turning to blood well how does the moon shine at us The moon is, shines at us. When you go outside and, the, and there's a full moon, it's just lighting up the whole world, even though it's dark. What is it shining? It's reflecting off the sun, isn't it? <laughs> the sun is the radiance of God's glory, the reflection of his very being. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. And even as the sun turns dark, God... And, and the moon, the reflection of the Father on earth, turns to blood. <laughs> this is the great and glorious day of the Lord, where suddenly he is releasing all of this onto the earth. And everybody now is seeing and hearing and prophesying. So I didn't realize it would be Pentecost Day when we were landing our prophetic series. But I don't know if you have been hearing from God for 25 or 30 years, or whether you don't feel like you ever hear from God, but today is activation day. <laughs> it's activation day. And I hope that I'm not only going to share something relevant to you about the prophetic if you are a novice, but something which will just sharpen and take you further, even if you've been in this for ages. You know, I bought a coffee from someone um, this, um, about two weeks ago. And I said to her, hey, do you know Jesus personally? Which is the best phrase in the world. By the way, we, we led a beautiful lady to Jesus on Monday this week. It was so wonderful. Um, and uh, anyway, um, so I bought the coffee. And here's the beauty of the gifts that God gives. And she was quite closed. So I just said, hey, can I just ask, are you quite like this? And she said, yes. And I said, I think it's because God, if you believe in him or not, he sees who you are. And he loves that about you. And he's wanting you to say yes to that and to go with that. And then what happened? Then she's like, oh, I, feel, I suddenly just got all emotional. And why is that? Because suddenly the spirit is just being released. No, I don't know Jesus and it's closed. But suddenly he gives us all these gifts to use to speak into people's lives and to draw them closer. You know, do you remember Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4? I mean, I've been telling us 
prophecy is what? Strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. I mean, <laughs> Jesus goes off script at that one. He clearly hadn't read, you know, because it hadn't been written, the Apostle Paul yet. Strengthening, encouragement. Why don't you go and call your husband? <laughs> She's like, uh, <laughs> I haven't got a husband. No, you are right. You're on your sixth guy. <laughs> And what happens is he cuts into the heart of it, and then she's blown away, and she's transformed. And she goes and tells the whole city about him. So these gifts are given for us to use in church, to use in our KFC, to use in our families, and to use on mission. Because church is the training ground for us to go. And so, um, anyway... Are you up for it, for being activated? So I'm going to use a test case this morning. Um, is that all right? Why don't, we just, why don't we all stand up for a minute? <laughs> if you are up for being activated this morning, just lift both hands to the Lord. Listen, put your hands down if you're doing it because everybody else is. Because he'll take us out of our word, okay? So Holy Spirit, look at all these legends. <laughs> Reaching out for more of you sharpen us, mature us prophetically so that we might see and hear your voice with increasing clarity. And we know, Lord, that we're not supermen and women. We know that we prophesy in part, but we know that you've called us to eagerly desire this gift, that we might be effective for you as you send us out on mission to be your witnesses here in Ashington, Washington, Whiston, here in beautiful West Sussex and to the ends of the earth. And all God's people said together, Amen. Amen. Do take a seat. So here's the test case this morning. Back on the flip chart. Here we go. Woo! Now our head of operations said, please don't you ever use that again. So this is the final Sunday, I promise you. <laughs> the final Sunday. He said, we can help with that. We can get it on the screen. <laughs> so anyway, next time, I promise you. Um, guess what this is? Guess what this blob is? <laughs> this is the UK. <laughs> you see Scotland and the north and the east of England. The Essex is massive. <laughs> okay, and uh, here we go. <laughs> um, we've lost Anglesey, poor old Anglesey, and we're just taking all of Ireland and, you know, forget the politics. <laughs> so this is the UK. So we're going to use a test case to activate all of us thinking about the nation, because how much rebuilding does God want to do in the 2020s? These are times of such opportunity. You know, I was thinking this morning, you guys were unchained, and we're wearing masks, we can't touch everybody, with, you know, all like that, and yet the, the water's building behind the dam, isn't it? But we're going to burst out when the limitations lift, and we're going to change this world, and we're going to change this nation. So let's get ready, folks. Um, but I tell you what, I just want to use this as a test case, because we are a country who needs the church on fire and ready to restore and transform this country. And I'm sick to death of, um, you know, just doom and gloom. Are you? So we don't want to pick up all this stuff, all the division in society, all of that boring, da 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 We don't want to pick up any of that. That's in the heavenly realm or the earthly realm. What is God saying to the nation for the church so that we can be effective? Is this good? 
Because we had a word given to us. I said this um, a week ago, that we were called to be a church that carries revelation. Not to be proud, not to be above our station, all of that. It's all from him and a gift to us. But to play our part in the restoration of the United Kingdom. Because everywhere else on planet Earth thinks that we have a rich and godly heritage. And yet what we're told down on the earthly realm is that we're getting more secular and blah, 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 blah. So these are times of incredible opportunity. And so, so I just want to use this as a test case. The question is, uh, yeah, what are you saying, Father, and where are you leading? If you get any stuff, just email it to me, to, in to me after uh, today. Um, because let's just begin to pray, and we'll come on to that. So the first step to being activated is to live our lives saying, what are you saying, Father? Hands up. Great, nobody did. <laughs> Fantastic. Hands up. Who can just be on autopilot so often through busyness? Yeah. So the first step to being activated prophetically is to take the time to say, what are you saying, Father? We can watch the 10 o'clock news, but what are you saying? Not to pick up all the whatevers. What are you saying? And where are you leading? Wouldn't it be incredible if through the church, the Lord gave a, a different way of doing finances that suddenly subverted free market capitalism without us descending into rampant Marxism. Just saying that. Because nobody is coming up with an economic theory better than free market capitalism at the moment. Or just moaning about it. So wouldn't it be incredible if the church learned how to do finances in a, such a prophetic way that we could do that? Anyway, I'm just going to say that out there because we've got some decent finance people here. So start dreaming and start listening. So the first step is submitting our lives to what he is saying. I'm going to buy a cup of coffee. Maybe I could ask somebody if they know Jesus personally. Maybe I, if they're closed, maybe I could listen to God and submitting our lives because I truly believe that God is speaking way more than we tune into. So let's be those who are just, the, the radio is tuned in to his voice so that we are on his mission and our lives are submitted to it. Right, next step. How do we actually see and hear what the Father is saying? And some of us can pick up stuff, you know, in the sort of middle realm, governed by, as we've been learning, the prince of the power of the air. We can pick up stuff. So how do we actually see and hear? Well, first step we must be born again. We must have submitted our life to Jesus. Otherwise, we cannot hear God. We can pick up some spiritual stuff, but we cannot hear his voice. What does born again mean? It means being fired out <laughs> into a completely new world where your eyes are open to the kingdom of heaven ruled and reigned by King Jesus. Have I been born again? Well, the test for that is, is there something different in me than there was before? 
We must be born again. Second step, we must be moving in the love of God. Pursue love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 14 comes off the back of 1 Corinthians 13. You know, if I am just excited to use my gift, but I'm not loving the lady serving me a cup of coffee, then I might as well just throw a bucket of water over her. Because I'm called to the Father's mission as he reconciles the world back to himself through what he did through Jesus 2,000 years ago. So am I moving in love? It's like, think about the nation as our test case. You know, we might get really angry about various things that are going on in the country, sometimes righteously because we can feel God's heart. But it has to go to the place where we catch the Father's love for the nation, who wants to restore, who wants to rebuild, who convicts, absolutely, but he wants to bring us back and to bring us under his, his sovereign hand again. And so let's, let's ascend further until we're catching that place where we, we really catch the love of God. Number three, are we submitted to his word? I've covered this already, already but you know, I was always taught, if you want to be prophetic, you need to be reading a book of the Bible every day. And I've spent too long in my life making excuses that I'm too busy. Haven't you? <laughs> Time's just ticking, isn't it? And I just don't believe that you get more time in retirement either. All the people that tell me, <laughs> it's like you're busier than ever, aren't you? Because <laughs> everyone's like, great, they're free now. <laughs> Can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? We never have enough time. So it's about deciding how we want to spend it. Do I want to spend it knowing him? Or do I want to spend it wasted on things that don't really carry eternal significance? And then from that place, we learn the voice of God. And God will speak to you how you connect with him. So it's not how I connect with him, but how you connect with him. But those three things for me preface hearing his voice. But for me... How I hear the voice of God, it always, even if it's a like, sobering conviction, it's like everything comes alive inside. That's all I can describe. Even when he just very gently whispers to me, everything comes alive. And I've learned now, just when, every, when he speaks and everything begins to... So, so we can think, you know oh, I messed up, and then suddenly you've got a voice of condemnation. Everything isn't coming alive inside. I'm just feeling wretched. That is not God. That is the devil. <laughs> now, when Jesus speaks to me, I'm like, oh, why did I waste so much of my life thinking that? Ah, oh, but you found me, and I'm back. <laughs> yes. And suddenly I'm coming back to life. Does this make sense? So, um, and then we just learn when he's speaking. And number five, for those of you who've been hearing God for a while, I've spent too long in my life, suddenly God begins to speak, and then I begin to write it down, and then I begin to put it to work straight away. I don't know if that makes sense. It's, it's like going to the best restaurant 
and hoovering up the starter and then leaving. Oh my goodness, this tastes, I've never had a starter like this. Oh my goodness. All right, see you then. And then you leave. Rather than lingering in his presence, saying, Lord, is there more? Is there more? For those of you who have visions, sometimes, you know, sometimes you are just in a vision and you don't have any kind of say over when it starts and ends. But sometimes I've had visions where it's almost like I can come out of it a bit, but I feel the Lord drawing me back in and it will continue and go further and deeper as I press in and as I say, Lord, is there more you want to show me? Is there more that you want to speak to me about? Is anybody else that get that? So just lingering and pursuing more. So we might say, you know, what is God saying, you know, to Felicity this morning? And it's like, great, we've got a word. But what about seven words he wants to say? Or what about 15? Because I don't believe that the Lord just says, there you go. You know, he's like, have a fire hose <laughs> of my love and revelation. <laughs> Um, and, and, and so just learning to, to stay and push in for more. And um, is that all right? Okay, number three, what do we do next? What do we do with what we felt that we've heard and how do we give it? Now, as we grow in hearing God, it is very tempting to move into the language of God said this to me for you. Now, as you read the scriptures, on several places, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 John chapter 4, it's so important to weigh and discern what he's saying. It's so important because that's how we grow, it's how we submit what God is saying, it's how we grow in the community. So for me, I would always say, Felicity, I feel like God is saying this. Now, if she says to me, that is spot on, you know, that is absolutely what God is saying, then post-event, I could say, the Lord spoke to me for felicity. But even when we're sensing something so strongly, it stops us from being too authoritarian, and it keeps us walking in humility and it stops us putting in somebody else, or the church, or the KFC, or some poor person who doesn't know Jesus, under a compulsion, by just gently saying, hey, I feel like God is saying this. Can I share that with you? And then they have a responsibility to weigh that and discern it before God. And so whenever I'm sharing a prophetic word with someone who isn't a Christian, I always say, hey, does that connect with you? Does that resonate? And the Holy Spirit will confirm that and will speak to them if it is. Is this all right? Ask the Lord what to do with it because sometimes he's speaking and he wants us to learn one of his fruits, which is self-control. So sometimes I can get stuff and just blurt straight away without saying, Lord, you're showing me something my next question then is, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Because sometimes they'll show us stuff just to pray. 
I told you about my chap in deepest, darkest sin a couple of weeks ago. And the Lord said to me, share this word with him, with him, not call out his sin. So when we start seeing and hearing, the, sec- the next question is, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? How do you want me to handle this? So that I can take that next step in relationship with you so that I can share what you really want me to share and not just be a blurter. And I think one of the marks of spiritual maturity is just learning restraint in the spirit and knowing just to keep asking him those questions. Thank you for showing me this. What do you want me to do with it? Do you want me just to pray with it? Um, do you want me just to pray for them? Do you want me just to pray? You know, so I've seen the nation. Da, la, 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 you know, brrr, what do I do with that? Okay, well, I might need to start gathering with a few other people and start praying that into being rather than contacting Boris and demanding an appointment to share with him my prophetic word. You know, does this make sense? Yeah. Um, And always entrust the recipient with responsibility. Because at the end of the day, it's their life to lead. We have people in authority in this country a royal family with delegated authority to our government under God's mighty reign. So even if Boris doesn't fall down on his knees and submit to my prophetic word, (laughs) I leave it with him. That's his responsibility, and that's God's responsibility, and I can leave it. Is that good? Step four. Question. How do we receive a word Let's be open. If God is speaking, let's always be open and teachable. Secondly, let's recognize our responsibility when someone gives us a word. You know, um, someone in my wider family had a word that they were going to be prime minister of the country. And that may or may not be true, But if they locked themselves in their bedroom and didn't join the political system and didn't do anything with it, then God could mysteriously pull him out of his bedroom, drop him in 10 Downing Street, just like Philip in Acts chapter 8, transport him, suddenly upgrade him with all the life lessons that he needed to learn. That could possibly happen, but it's never, ever happened in history, never happened in the Bible, so it would be very, very unlikely so, so if we're receiving a word, then let's not fixate on the destination, but let's be responsible. So if someone prophesies over our farmer with his big boots on, you're going to be prime minister, and that resonates, let's not, let's not be mournful until we actually walk into 10 Downing Street with the keys, but it might be time to get involved in the parish council locally as the first step. And to begin to be responsible in responding to what God has said. Number three, let's get ready. <laughs> um, this is, sounds really funny, but when I was in sixth form, I, before I sort of was really grappling in earnest with the church, I thought that I would um, go into government, and I thought, I need to get ready. <laughs> so I'll get ready to be prime minister. And someone told me, whether it's true or not, that Margaret Thatcher had only four hours sleep a night while she was Prime Minister. Has anybody heard that? So, 
I spent my first year of sixth form only having four hours sleep. <laughs> well, I, I spent about six months, right? <laughs> so um, what would happen is I, I would basically try and stay awake until 2 a.m. and get up at 6 a.m. And, um, and basically after six months, I was so ill for about a month. <laughs> I was so physically broken <laughs> that I threw the towel in. So <laughs> anyway, what I'm trying to illustrate here is if the Lord has said something, Let's wisely begin to get ready, okay? Now, he called me very clearly and gave me a vision to see every Church of England church revived and full of the glory of God to change a nation, right? Now, I could walk around thinking, oh, okay, so I need to become Archbishop of Canterbury, you know, so I'm in charge of every Church of England church even though, God bless our Archbishop, I'm not quite sure how much in charge of he actually <laughs> gets to do and, and has. Or I could start with what's in front of me, see my level best to see you know, one, one place charged with life and then leave all the other doors to open for the Lord as he leads me. Does this make sense? So anyway, I'm just saying, whatever Lord, the Lord has spoken to you about, do what's in front of you, but get ready. And don't kill yourself by only having four hours sleep. <laughs> Be humble with commissioning words. So, you know, the person in my wider family who's told they're going to be prime minister had a little spell of telling people, I'm going to be prime minister. I've got a prophetic word, you know, and all of that. It's just, it doesn't help. Look at King David. He was anointed king of Israel. But for many years, he was chased out of the kingdom, hounded by the previous incumbent, had then had multiple opportunities to take matters into his own hands. Those of you who know your Bible, do you remember how King Saul comes near and David's in a cave and he has an opportunity to kill him? And he stays his hand. Who am I to touch the Lord's anointed? And submits you know, keeps trusting the Lord. If the Lord's put an incredible commissioning word on your life, he is responsible to fulfill, to fulfill that, and you are responsible to do the next thing in front of you. Do you agree? <laughs> Sorry. Um, pray it into being. Begin to pray. You know, seek the Lord. You know, early in the morning, at night, seek the Lord for it. Keep our eyes on God's faithfulness, as I've just referred to about King David. And remember, finally, that our significance in the Lord is guaranteed. Let's use our test case again. Who are we? We're a tiny island nation, aren't we? With not many that we've discovered precious minerals or natural resources, a tiny island. And yet, look at our history. We've sent philosophy and science and theology and churches and missionaries all around the planet. You talk to any other Christian on planet Earth, and they will be in awe of that spiritual heritage in our country. A tiny, tiny nation, minuscule in comparison. But our significance is not based on how big we are. 
It's based on our identity in him and our calling in him. And for whatever reason, he chose this little island to release some of the most profound missionaries, some of the most profound theologians, some of the most profound work of the church all around planet Earth. And when he begins a work, he never fails to bring it to completion. Now, let's put that in our own life. Our significance in him is guaranteed because of Jesus Christ. So we don't have to strive or elbow people out the way or tell people that we're going to be prime ministers or whatever. Because it's guaranteed in him. He loves us and he loves you. And he has done everything needed to fulfill what he's doing in all of our lives. Do you know the nobility in the kingdom of God means that some of us won't be prime ministers. Many of us, most of us, be prime ministers or archbishops of Canterbury. And some of us will be called to be an incredible kingdom family community leader. Or some of us will be called to be a postman and to live out our calling with all our might like that. Because it's not about worldly significance, it's about being faithful with who we are and leaving the rest to him. It wouldn't be incredible if you delivered to every home every day and that was your mission field. There's a guy called Reese Howell who uh, was there at the beginning of the Welsh Revival and the Lord spoke to him and said, I want you to step back but not to tell anybody and to intercede for all that God is doing in Wales at that time. Now we've heard of Evan Roberts, who caught the headlines as being the revival guy who you know, changed the Welsh nation and kicked off the revival. But Rhys Howell took so much criticism because he was called. God spoke to him and said, your part to play is to get on bended knee to pray and intercede for what God is going to do through Evan Roberts and the rest of the guys. That's what the Lord sees, and that's what he has significance. Is this all right? Okay. Where can we use this? Are we prophesying over our wives and husbands if we have them? If you're a single person, are we hearing God for our neighbors or for our wider family? Are we prophesying over our children, hearing God, praying it into being? That's where we can all use this gift. KFC, how about hounding your leader with relentless prophetic words for everybody in the group? (laughs) I've got more words for everybody in the group. What a blessing that would be for your KFC leader. Um, You know, if you've got stuff for church, prophetic at chank. You know, let us know. We take everything seriously and and pray over all of that stuff. Prophetic at chanctabry.org.uk. If you've got stuff for the nation, let me know. Where can I use this? But where can we use it? On mission. As we go. You know, I was uh, knocking on doors this week and um, asked the Lord. And he showed me a picture of somebody's heart wrapped in barbed wire. And that sounds like a sort of middle realm word. So I said, have you had some tough things in your life? Bang, tears start to flow. And then we just begin to release the Father's love. So this is how he wants to use us on mission as his people. All right, everybody? Are you ready?
So you all have a responsibility with this message now. To say yes to God tomorrow. I'm serious now. Not under compulsion. One of the things as God leads us out of COVID is let's have glorious, power-filled, Holy Spirit services whenever we meet. To go and be his witnesses. To practice our ministry, to grow in our gifts when we gather with other believers to go and be his witnesses. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses everywhere on planet Earth. So do you receive your assignment to prophesy over your wife, husband, your wider family, over your neighbours, over your work colleagues, There's never a good time to come out the closet and tell everybody that you're actually a Christian. (laughs) I'm coming out. (laughs) Just want to say, I know it sounds a bit odd, but I was just praying for you this morning and I felt like God was saying this. We could do that, couldn't we? And we might change people's lives. We will change people's lives. So if if you are receiving your commission, would you stand?